0: Phil Bryant and the Honorable Morris McTeague QSO.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcast, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable.
0: This week on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're delighted to welcome to this program U.S. Congressman Mike Boss from the great state of Illinois. In the 117th Congress, Representative Boss serves on two key committees, Veterans Affairs and Transportation and Infrastructure. On the Veterans Affairs Committee, he serves as the ranking member, the top Republican on the committee. Congressman Mike Boss is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran, and without any further delay, And on behalf of our engaged listeners in the Midwest and the South, we welcome to America's Roundtable, Congressman Mike Bost from the great state of Illinois. Welcome, sir, and a good morning to you.
1: Welcome, Congressman Bost.
0: Good morning. Thanks for having me on. This past week, Congressman Bost, after Thursday night shelling of a nuclear plant, Putin's Russia has taken control of Europe's largest nuclear power station in Ukraine. World leaders are calling this shelling, which led to a fire at the nuclear site, as reckless, horrific, and unacceptable. Putin is not just only playing with fire, Putin and his war machine are literally playing with nuclear plants, shelling this one this past week. And higher levels of gamma radiation will certainly impact the whole of Europe and, of course, going beyond its borders. We all know that Chernobyl was the worst side of the nuclear disaster in history in the 1986 period of time. And we do understand that if the West does not take immediate and robust actions, we may be inching closer to a direct conflict with Russia whether we choose it or not. Congressman Bost, how did we come to this pivotal moment in the 21st century? And what are the measures that ought to be taken from America's side to address this Russian invasion of Ukraine, this war on NATO's doorstep?
2: Well, how we got here um, is what happens whenever you have weak leadership in the administration branch. You know, A sign of weakness to someone like Putin or any other um, dictator or foreign, foreign leader that all they know is strength and then they identify when someone is weak. And after the Afghanistan pullout that we did, I believe that sent a message to Putin and maybe even China that our administration is weak and is not able to give the power that is necessary to deter any uh, movement and action. We can see that Putin uh, obviously took it as a weakness and basically has now stepped up and And here we are a week into this where we saw it coming. We could have put the sanctions on before he came across the line. That would have been probably good. We can and are going to continue to make uh, sanctions. Now the question is, where do we go with the no-fly zone? Well, We're, we're monitoring. You know, if, if they make an accidental move and drop around into a NATO country uh, on purpose or accidentally, that changes the ball game with NATO. We need to work with with NATO to do exactly what NATO should have been doing does all along, and that is to try to stop this from happening. The problem is, is we we let Uh, Russia build up at that point. And we did it by shutting down our oil production here in the United States and giving them more strength by the fact that we did it. I'm on a letter that we sent out uh, last week to encourage the president to free all of our uh, assets up to go ahead and go back to drilling and producing the oil to make us independent. He is not listening to that as of yet. And there are many members from both sides of the aisle that are calling on that. There's a time for their Green New Deal, but it's not right now. Now's the time we need to strengthen our economy. We need to strengthen our uh, self-reliance and, and our support of our own energy grid. Now, the concern that you had also is the way that the Russians, and, it, and my understanding is the seizure of the power plants. It is Chesnian mercenaries that are now holding the power plant operators. And there are no technicians except for the technicians that are being held. Obviously, the the people that are there are, as I said, mercenaries. They're soldiers, but they're not able to know and understand what keeps that power plant ticking and what keeps it from not going off and endangering the, the people there and going into a breakdown. As you mentioned a while ago, it's like playing with fire, with no one that knows how to control the fire. And we have to be very, very careful that they could start this, it, it could go really bad quickly. It's already very, very bad, but it, now we're starting to talk about nuclear power plants. We're also talking with the, you know, with the with, with threats we believe that Putin talked about about using nuclear weapons, remember, Uh, Russia has nuclear weapons, not the mass nuclear weapons that we used at the end of the Second World War, but small nuclear weapons, which are just as devastating to areas, large areas. But the fear is, is all of a sudden he would start using those.
0: Yes, indeed. We have some 90,000 U.S. troops on European soil, the vast majority in Germany. It seems that uh, the administration uh, lost an opportunity by not moving some of these troops uh, to the Eastern Front much earlier. Uh, So it seems that the administration, the Biden administration, is reacting uh, to what Putin is doing. And we've let Vladimir Putin actually be a part of this whole endeavor, putting him in the driver's seat.
2: And that's a sad reality. And then since the, the invasion started, we, we seem to be where the United States has always led from the front. We are letting NATO lead and we're reacting, as you said, uh, and, and that is not a position that the United States has been in before. There was a call from someone who was formerly in the previous administration. He, I, I was listening to a report with him. We sent the javelin missiles. We're getting those to the Ukraine to try to help. You know, when that caravan was stopped last week, it's rolling now. But when it was stopped last week, had we got them six or six to ten A tens, they would have been able to de- because they have pilots for the A tens there. They could have destroyed that caravan before it ever started moving but now it's moving and the people civilians and and ukraine army as well are standing in the in the way and basically they're going to stand there and let them run them over and it's so sad because i believe that there's many even russian soldiers that don't want to be there you know the, the, the drive of the ukrainian people they have something they're fighting for they're fighting for their freedom they're fighting for their nation they're fighting for 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 their independence and, and keeping their independence. These Russian soldiers, they don't know what they're fighting for. They just got kind of sent there. And that is a whole different mindset when you come to, a, to someone who is in the military. It's one thing if you know what you're fighting for, but just being put out there. And, and the thing is many of those soldiers have relatives that are in Ukraine. They have family. They have friends. They have acquaintances. That, why are we fighting you? And and my hope is, is that someone on the side of Russia wakes up and, and and think about this. And your listeners know this, but people are being arrested. You can you can protest with your freedom of speech under our constitution in the United States, and it as long as you don't destroy property or take up arms, you're not going to be prosecuted for that. These Russians that are now protesting in the street against this, you've got to understand that they're sacrificing because they can face up to 20 years imprisonment, if not worse. And they're still screaming, stop, don't do this. So when the Russian people are standing up against Putin, when they know the dangers, and let me tell you this, we're also making sure uh, there's many of, of the, are on the world scene that are trying to identify and see that a lot of this is war crimes. And that once you have an, a leader that started down the path of war crimes, that's going to be an outrage from the world that I don't think Putin has ever seen. I, I don't know how he got over his skis this far, but I believe as many others. I was listening to Condoleezza Condor Lisa Rice's last week, and, and she said that this isn't the Putin that. She talked with back whenever she was in her position, that there's been a change. And, and I don't know what that change is, whether he sees he's getting older, but he saw no power coming to Russia to the level he wanted. He has this dream of reuniting the USSR. Well, the world will not let that happen.
1: Right. And Congressman Boss, I would like to draw an analogy, actually, with the Balkan conflict in Yugoslavia at that time. And we made a big mistake, basically, because on the verge of Yugoslavia's attacking or actually Milosevic's Serbia or Yugoslavia going west to occupy Slovenia, Croatia, Secretary of State Baker said, we do not have a dog in that fight. This is the similar situation that happened here in this case when White House Spokesperson Saki said on behalf of Biden's administration that we are not going to send US military troops to Ukraine's defense or to Ukraine-Russia's border. At that point, there was no credible threat right after the day after Russia attacked Ukraine. So instead of, I mean, we should have projected right. a credible threat, which probably would have happened if Trump was in power. Right. Now, we, we saw similar situations, so Russia attacking Ukraine, now it's a ninth day of invasion. Economic sanctions are not working, are not deterring Russia from further invasion and further advances on the field. So what are the next steps? I mean, you mentioned no-fly zone, why are we not applying no-fly zone? What are the reasons?
2: I believe that we have to get, it was the same reason why they didn't originally put the SWIFT uh, in place. Uh, Our allies in NATO, they they have to have unanimous agreement uh, to make that move. And then in in putting a a no-fly zone in, there are those who are, the reports we're getting is, is the administration has a fear of this would escalate where you then have a nuclear power all of a sudden declare war on a lot more than Ukraine. But the reality I'm seeing is is I'm afraid that that if we don't stop him here, he will declare war on the next nation, and the next nation, and the next nation. We we made the mistake with Hitler. We don't need to make it with with Putin. Yes, Right,
1: right. and just let me go back to the conflicts in Yugoslavia. Basically, in 1991, we said we don't have a dog in that fight, State Secretary Baker said. But in 1995, we had to get involved because the war wasn't stopped. So basically, after Europeans tried and were, there was huge inertia, it was United States that got involved that, that the war came to yep. an end. So basically, we're saying now we're not getting involved, but we don't want the same scenario right. in Ukraine. So we need to look at any possible other different kind of solution.
2: I agree. And and here's the thing. Remember, many of our elected officials, they, they put the finger on the pulse of the polls and not... Quite often do they make their decision based on trying to project what's the long-term effect. Right now, we just came off of a 20-year war. There are a tremendous amount of people not wanting to send our men and women uh into, into a fight. I understand that, but there's got to be things that we can do and should do to stop the escalation that's going on, to send a clear message to Putin. We need to make sure. That that we send a clear message that we are still strong and we're powerful, and we need to cut off. That like I said, the sanctions are, are one thing. We need to cut them off and 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 stop and block and everything like that and and shut down their money money from flowing, where they can't get supplies. The advantage that earlier this week was that they couldn't supply that that convoy, and that's why it stopped. Putin believed that he was going to just walk in it was my understanding from our intelligence that the reason the convoy stopped is they were only given three days supplies of food they thought they were going to be done in three days well, they're not done in three days there's because the ukrainian people will not allow that to happen but we have to make sure that we guard and and we're looking for all other options the problem is is we've got an administration i don't believe that's engaged at the level they know and understand or they haven't lived through this before You know, the the one thing that our previous administration had was you love Trump or you hated Trump. He surrounded himself with people that knew what in the world they were doing. I'm not sure we have that in this administration because they're more political than they are governmental.
0: And that's a scary situation. Our fellow Americans within our nation, we have a great many Ukrainian Americans that are concerned about their loved ones, their family members in Ukraine proper. And uh, these uh, friends of ours, Ukrainian Americans, uh, they serve in all sectors of our society. They're patriotic Americans. Uh, In fact, I remember very vividly how even President Reagan at that time uh, worked very closely with the Ukrainian American community. Congressman Bost, what is your message to our fellow Americans, those of Ukrainian descendancy here in America, as well as to the Ukrainian people in Europe?
2: I actually served uh, in the state legislature with a a senator who was one generation, and he was actually the Chicago, one of the leaders, he and his brother, were one of the leaders of the Ukrainian U.S. support group out of Chicago, the very large organization even traveled with them uh, to Ukraine in 1998 to watch a joint military exercise, which was supposed to show that there were 19 countries that, that had a joint military exercise to show Russia that we were united with Ukraine. That's what we need to be. We need to be united with Ukraine. Let them know that we have support for them, not just in voice, but we've got to send the amount of groups that are out there right now, I know there's one individual that are sending arms. They're trying to clear that right now to get those over there. We need to get the equipment to them that they can defend themselves. And we need to help them every way that we possibly can. And I want to encourage those that are communicating with their family and friends still in country to the men that are continuing to fight, that they do that. The women, children, uh, elderly If you need to get out, please get out, go to Poland, go where you need to go. Let's get through this together. And I'm going to be working every way I can to find solutions that don't violate international law, but truly go after the war criminal that Putin is and make sure that they understand we're not going down this path. Also, encouraging people in Russia to work and understand that they have a problem with their leader. And they need to correct that problem from within, too.
1: Right. I mean, as you kindly of mentioned earlier, basically, Russian anti-war protests for the courageous people of those that are against the war. There were 8,000 people that were arrested so far. So there's a great pressure from within to stop the war. And then also we owe it to, uh, to Ukraine. As you mentioned earlier... Attack on another NATO country would change the ball game altogether. Right. But but because we play by the rules, I know Russia doesn't play by rules. I know that. So they are Here. they are attacking a sovereign country in Europe today. And basically, if we go back to 1995, when where Budapest Memorandum was signed between President Clinton at that time, Boris Yeltsin as Russia's president and and the local leader of Ukraine, we committed to protect Ukraine, and Ukraine gave away all nuclear weapons at that time. All
2: their nuclear weapons. Correct.
1: And Russia has also said they're going to protect it. So we do have that international backing. We have more authority. We have right and responsibility, based on Budapest memorandum as well, to protect Ukraine. So I think we need to take things into our hands in a much yeah. more robust way.
2: Yeah, and, and the problem is, is we have to convince, because remember... If we go down this path, the administration can't do it without congressional consent. And how do we convince a majority of the members of Congress to be in support of this and the American people to be in support? I believe the American people are in support, but the American people, as I said, uh, after coming off of the 20-year war, they have a real fear. Unfortunately, that fear can only be enhanced if we don't stop Putin now.
0: Congressman Bost, what were your impressions of President Joe Biden's speech this past week, the State of the Union Address? And what is your response to our fellow American citizens regarding Biden's message as we face significant domestic challenges on the economic front and with our U.S. southern border just basically opened up to an invasion coming from the South uh, with two million illegal immigrants?
2: Well, let me tell you the problem I saw with the speech. He talked in general about very little, and he did not deal with the issues that have fallen apart in the last year. As you mentioned, the loss of control of our southern borders, the amount of people dying from the fentanyl that's being brought from China and then across into the United States across our southern borders. He did not mention the fact of how our pulling out of Afghanistan and the loss of our 13 veterans there 13 military personnel there he didn't mention the fact though he made a threat kind of to putin he didn't do anything to say hey we're going to make it so bad on you and we're going to produce the amount of fuel that we need that we become independent again and it's going to become very ugly for you and and he, he didn't do any of that he wouldn't back off his green new deal and because of that you know, usually there is somewhere in most state of the Unions, whether it's Republican or Democrat, some capture of, of the American people and what they're doing. And I'm telling you, I, and, and I don't know what the why at the very end meant by go get him, man. I, I, I didn't get that one. So it was uh, and understand. I was not in the room. Obviously, I, I actually had my COVID test right the be- day before. And that's when they said, well, you're going to be in the hotel room for five days. So I got to watch it on TV like everybody else. But I was looking for something, and I got nothing, and and that, that that's a shame because that is a time when your president should rise uh, to the occasion and truly bring forward his a game,
0: and and I guess there's not an a game there. Any final thoughts for our listeners, our engaged listeners in the Midwest and the South, Congressman Bost?
2: Well, let me tell you that we need to reach out if there's a a, a secure, a secure, so you know you're doing it right, a secure charity that you can give to to help the Ukrainian people or in any other ways that you can help, please start doing that. We are a nation of, of givers. Give to them. Like I said, make sure these organizations that you're giving to truly are the ones that, that give to uh, and, and are getting it to the people in need. If, if you don't want to do it by giving arms, which is one group is, give humanitarian efforts because there's people that need supplies. I have my own brother-in-law is over there right now as a, as a missionary working to get people out, taking supplies in and bringing people out. There, there are people on the ground that you can support. Please
0: support them. Indeed. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're truly honored to be joined by U.S. Congressman Mike Bost from the great state of Illinois. And he serves on two key committees, Veterans Affairs and Transportation and Infrastructure. And on the Veterans Affairs Committee, he serves as the ranking member, the top Republican on the committee. Congressman Mike Bost is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran. We truly thank you for your service to our nation, Congressman Bost, and your continued leadership in advancing our shared values and principles. Thank you, sir, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Congressman Bost.
2: Joe and Natasha, thank you, as always, for having me.
0: If the West does not take immediate and robust actions, we may be inching closer to a direct conflict with Russia, whether we choose it or not. This is not one of America's proudest moments as authoritarian regimes observe weak U.S. leadership. This past week, Natasha Saldorsh and I had the opportunity to discuss the invasion of Ukraine with Senator Pat Toomey, ranking member of the U.S. Senate Banking Committee. When asked about India's abstentions in the United Nations to condemn Russia, Senator Toomey stated that he was disappointed by India's decision. The United Nations voted overwhelmingly for a resolution that deplored Russia's invasion of Ukraine and called for the immediate withdrawal of its forces. And this past week on Wednesday, in an emergency session of the UN's General Assembly, 141 of the 193 member states voted for the resolution, 35 abstained and 5 voted against. And in our discussion, Senator Toomey suggested more robust sanctions against Russia. Senator Toomey urged the U.S. to impose secondary sanctions on Russian banks, applying secondary sanctions on the banking system, therefore applying pressure on foreign banks that do business with the country, and effectively applying pressure to financial institutions that Russia's fossil fuel companies bank with. Senator Toomey also called for sanctions that include shutting down Russian exports, namely Russian oil and gas. He stated, and I quote, My goodness, we're sending the money to Putin to finance his war machine while it slaughters civilians. That shouldn't be happening. I think we should be going after the Russian energy sector, unquote. Congressman Mike Boss from Illinois stated, and I quote, It's unthinkable that the United States is helping fund Putin's war by buying 700,000 barrels of Russian oil and petroleum products per day. I co-sponsored the Prohibition on Imports of Russian Oil Act to put a stop to this practice. We must hit Putin where it hurts, Russia's energy industry, unquote. Indeed, if America wants to remain relevant in this world rather than giving its leadership seat to China and Russia, then we must lead with principal actions. Our shared values and principles are at risk by authoritarian regimes that do not respect the rule of law, freedom, and property rights. Indeed. Peace through Strength Matters and America's legislators in Washington, D.C., state governors across the nation, along with state legislators and engaged citizen stakeholders, have a responsibility in engaging in this vital discussion impacting America's future. America must lead again.
1: During the past week, in response to Putin's invasion of Ukraine, there has been a more united approach from the United States, Europeans, Australia, Japan and other countries to help Ukraine defend itself and impose primary economic sanctions on Russia. According to NATO, 17 member states have delivered or plan to deliver arms to Ukraine. According to U.S. and Ukrainian officials, America has sent nearly 1,000 tons of arms and equipment to Ukraine since January 22, including anti-tank guided missiles, bunker-busting missiles, grenade launchers, shells and ammunition. Another historic decision this past week was made by Germany, whereby German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who leads the left-of-center government, decided to depart from Germany's post-World War II policy and announced the delivery of 1,000 anti-tank weapons and 500 Stinger and 2,700 anti craft missiles to Ukraine. Properties owned by tycoons and their family members are being seized by various countries. Seven Russia's banks were kicked out of the SWIFT system, which is crucial for communication between the banks about cross-border payments. The U.S. Treasury cut off Russia's two largest financial institutions, Sberbank and VTB Bank, from processing payments to the U.S. financial system. As a result, European subsidiary of Russia's Sberbank entered bankruptcy proceedings in Austria. Sberbank's branches in Croatia and Slovenia were sold to local banks. However, according to Reuters, Sberbank's operations in Switzerland won't be impacted and will continue to do business as usual. And this is where secondary sanctions come in. Secondary sanctions put a pressure on a third party, individual, business entity or country, which engages with sanctioned country. In case of imposing secondary sanctions, Switzerland would have to block Russia's Burbank. Otherwise, the United States will sanction Switzerland. Sanctions imposed on Russia so far have not deterred Russia's further invasion of Ukraine. We hope and pray that the most recently imposed sanctions will have a desired impact.
0: Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and the Honorable Morris McTeague, QSO.
1: America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.